Good morning. Welcome to another episode of Cybersecurity Amplified and Intensified with your host, Eric Taylor, and myself, Shiva Maharaj. Today, we have Jonathan Scott, who I was following on Twitter, and he mentioned something about Pegasus. So I said, hey, let's talk. I guess my first question for you is, how's peer review coming for this thing? Yeah, um, it's going well. It's it's definitely a, a big process to uh, to make sure that there's no um, there's no errors in 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 what I'm submitting. Um, it actually, it's funny. Recently, a uh, a ransomware group actually made the mistake of posting um, posting some samples of uh, of their data that they collected, and um, they had to actually issue an apology to uh, you know, one certain of their people. Printers. We certain people, right? Exactly. Certain. I people. know exactly what you're talking about. I don't want to get on that hit list or any hit yeah, list. Yeah. So. Right. Exactly. So that's that's why like, making sure that your samples are proper and that <laughs> it's kind of one of the the you know the super important when you where you're dealing with this kind of information and this kind of you know pointing fingers at people and saying this is what you've done and this is your you know you better come proper is what I'm trying to say. Right. You know. So let's take a step back real quick because you know, while we're starting to follow you a little bit more deeply and we're starting to understand who you are, introduce yourself and what you are doing to the audience, please. Sure. Uh, my name is Jonathan Scott. I am a uh, security engineer, um, phone hacker, cloud hacker, and, uh, and a human rights defender. And I work with uh, several human rights uh, groups around the world to teach forensics and uh, ethical security hacking, offensive and defensive um, techniques so that, um, you know, we can, yeah, protect ourselves from, you know, malware, spyware and, and, uh, any other, um, you know, malicious uh, actions, you know, that's, so that's what I do. When you started doing this type of work and you got into, you know, what brought Pegasus on your radar is like, I need to go after this. Right. Right. So. Sorry, I think I was getting a phone call. Sorry about that. Oh. Uh, you know, so let me turn off this phone. You know, one of the things that I, I had been doing um, was, so I, I've been in I've been in the hacking space for for now about thirteen years, and, and um, um, phone hacking is it was you know phone hacking, IoT, cloud hacking were my were my you know, these are my specialties. Um, I got a master's in computer science, and um, you know, working on my doctorate. Uh, currently, and uh, so I started. I, I actually did some some big work for some big big names um, like GameStop, um, Verizon, uh, AT and T, and uh, so it all you know essentially for for years for about eight years I was actually contracted to create um, back doors into phones, back doors into systems, and uh, you know. Over time, you know, my ethos changed and I, and I realized actually what I was doing. I realized that I was selling exploits and, um, and, and, you know, contributing to the issues out in the, in, in the world. Right. Um, and these things are being sold as features, right? So create me a backdoor Verizon said to, you know, break into every Samsung Verizon phone in the world for a feature just to, uh, you know, process devices quickly and, and resell them quickly. Um, you know, so, so th this is what I had been doing. Um, you know, I sold the technology that I invented to you know, publicly traded companies and, uh, and, you know, I, 
it was, uh, so again, my, my ethos changed, you know, my, uh, you know, my mission in, in, in life, I suppose you can say. And so when I knew Pegasus was out, I started doing a lot of research. And then finally, when the samples came out, the Pegasus samples came out, uh, you know, VX underground had actually posted some samples. Um, and I said, this is you know my time to actually truly get involved with this, with Pegasus. I heard, heard about Pegasus before, but I wasn't able to actually get any samples to actually show what was really happening inside of these devices. So I do, I did actually, um, decompile and recompile these, um, the, uh, the samples, the spyware samples, and it's, uh, you know, on GitHub and, and I believe it's the only repository in the world actually that has, uh, samples that you can install and you, for research, right. You can, uh, it, it's fully, you know, decompiled so that you actually see, you know, the, the Java and, um, you know, all of the, you know, you can do full traces on, on the spyware. Um, it is a little bit older, but, it, but it, uh, it still gives us a really good, uh, base. Uh, of how all of this actually interacts with the devices and, and, and functions. So that was, that was kind of my, my, uh, my, my jump point to, to get into the, you know, to finally get into the Pegasus spyware project, because, you know, combined my knowledge of, of, uh, you know, your cell phone, um, exploitation, um, and, and along with, you know, you know, creating exploit. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Creating exploits. So I, I kind of knew where to look for things too. So that helped me a lot. How long did it take you to, uh, build the product? Uh, to, to build the products for Verizon? Or, no, sorry, or, the, 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 your tool uh, for Pegasus detection. I guess. Oh, yes. Is there a name yeah. for it? Yeah. So Pegasus ID is kind of like the second version it's like, or like, or the first, first round. Right. So Pegasus ID took, uh, a few months, actually about three months, uh, to create. Um, so the base. Uh, of this, I had already, I had already started creating, you know, in previous, a previous project, but it took about three months to create based off of the samples that I had, um, you know, acquired and, um, yes, I, not, not too long. So I had acquired my, I had my own samples that I pulled. And so that's about, so these are like nine gigs worth of samples that I pulled from, from devices that I had purchased from all around the world. And then when VX underground came out then I was able to use those samples to verify, um, and then create fully, finally create the tool, uh, which took a couple more months and then, uh, you know, off to validation. So yeah, it took a little while, but, but, uh, yes, this Pegasus ID is the identification of the spyware to begin with. And, uh, and then the next piece will be the remediation, right? So how do, how do we, you know, remove it, right? First step is always identify and, uh, and then making sure that this project is open to the public, um, then they can contribute to the identification part while the other project is, is launching for the remediation. So we, Eric and I are both, uh, users of CrowdStrike, as we've mentioned on here a couple of times, not this episode, but prior episodes, and they have a product called CrowdStrike mobile, which has a dashboard that helps to yeah. identify Pegasus. And we had one right. of their personnel on to discuss Pegasus when over the summer when it was a hot topic for me, at least. And right. their detection seems to be looking for known, uh, C2 servers. Sure. Which sure. I'm sure everyone in this room knows, and hopefully everyone who's listening understands you can put up a whole new C2 infrastructure very quickly and it right. mitigates any previous detections without giving away your secret sauce. Cause I don't think you want, 
should or would want to put exactly how it works out there for evasion techniques, but how are you guys, how is what you've built different than the CrowdStrike just looking for those known C2 servers? Right, right. So, um, I have developed a, a proprietary methodology that that's going to be out into the public. Um, and, uh, so, uh, going down to the chipset level is where, um, is, is where, where I'm starting. So I don't know if you, are you getting any feedback or is it just me? No, we're good. Okay. Oh, we're good. Uh, okay. So, so getting down to the chipset level is, is where, where I'm starting. Um, so I can pull 5,000 plus data points for, for every iPhone six and higher and from iOS, uh, 9.0 and higher. And, and so this is something that I've been, kind of been, been prepping everyone for, uh, doing live, um, you know, doing live, uh, videos actually showing, you know, specific techniques on how to actually extract data, these data points, but not how to execute them yet. Right. So this is a big deal. So here's how we pull it. And you can manually pull this information, right? These, these specific data points out, but, uh, and then, but actually analyzing them and then doing, uh, you know, automating this process is something that I've been working with a small team in, uh, in the background to make sure that, look, help me make sure that getting this out to the public properly, um, you know, make sure that you can do it too. Are you going to be available to, to help teach the public if, you know, if needed. And so I have a, a small team of two other, two other, uh, individuals that have been working in a private repository with me, uh, to make sure that this is, this is out, um, properly. Right. And that we can decode the, decode the information properly and be able to actually prove out what we're, what we're, what we're seeing. So, um, you know, a lot of these, these, uh, issues that, 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 you know, let's say companies are, are, are coming across are, um, well, it's, it, it's hard for them to validate. Right. And, and stay, you know, they're kind of just, people are just kind of guessing at it. Right. But, but what I, I, I'm implementing what I call a birth certificate. And so that birth certificate is we, we know what processes are actually supposed to be running. We know which, which, um, you know, uh, daemons are supposed to be running in the background, um, according to the original, um, you know, the original security, uh, um, policy or no, excuse me, them, uh, yeah, a security white paper that's put out by Apple every year. Um, and so, so we, we know which kernel processes are, are supposed to be running. Um, and now we, we check right against the birth certificate on what's actually happening, you know, uh, and, and you know, the original. So, uh, but from there we can actually pull out even very specific points at which either the kernel, you know, failed or the kernel had an error, had a panic. Um, and, and then we can compare it to actually what's happening now. Um, you know, was, what, was there an injection, right? Did that kernel panic cause an injection? And then we can truly, truly see, I mean, I mean granular, super, super granular. I did one of my lives and I actually pulled all 5,000. It was actually almost 6,000 data points live. And, uh, and it took about 30 minutes. So this is very intense, very detailed, um, to pull from, from a device, but so it with, is, yeah, go ahead. So when the Pegasus is actually launched from, I mean, granted. I mean, I'm a little bit in your space, but nothing to the, the fine granularity that you are. So I mean, hats off to you for being able to do this. Cause I look at some of the stuff and I'm like, uh, you know, deer in the headlight type of stuff. Right. So, um, from my understanding, Pegasus 
is of course launched from, you know, a bit.ly or some URL shortener, but when it's launched, it causes a kernel crash of one or two of the iPhone modules. And it just simply reboots those modules. It doesn't force the whole iPhone to reboot, but just two or three or, or one or two of the actual kernels to actually get restarted. And that injects like in my world for, you know, a pen tester, blue team or whatever that injects an RCE that then starts going in and dropping that whole Pegasus. Is that, is that a correct assessment? Yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty close, right? Definitely, definitely, um, pretty close, you know, but there's, there's a couple of ways that the payload can be dropped in, right? So we have, you know, ways via SMS, we have, um, you know, ways with the hardwire, uh, that we've detected. We do have ways, um, through the SIM card, actually the SIM card oh, wow. uh, itself. It's actually, uh, and actually was just revealed, um, finally, thankfully, uh, today by, um, you know, in, uh, the AP and, um, you know, so this is, uh, it's a big, big thing for, to finally have this, uh, kind of, you know, proof that, that yes, the SIM cards are, are vulnerable, right? The SIM cards actually, they're written the, you know, there's a, there's an operating system on these SIM cards and, and it's written in Java. And this is, this is a really big issue that people don't understand is. Java is the uh, most secure thing out there. Absolutely. I say this with absolute sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Yes, exactly. Uh, you know, so, so, uh, it, it's, it's interesting because people may think that it's just, uh, I mean, I don't really know what people think, honestly, I, I don't know if I've, I've even asked anyone what they think, uh, you know, SIM cards written in, um, but it is written, you know, it's, it's Java, uh, it's, it's, um, you know, how the, how it's, everything's coded for, for them. So. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I honestly, I also thought that the SIM card was just an ASCII, you know, line code for machine to machine communication. I didn't really think that there was actual JavaScript code on a SIM card. It's interesting. I didn't yeah, know that... there was JavaScript on there, but I do remember an article within the last five years, give or take that intelligence agencies had compromised one of these or the leading SIM card manufacturer. So to me, that would make me think there was some, there was enough code on there to manipulate, to get their backdoor access, but I could that be was, mistaken. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the SIM cards have been, been compromised for, for quite some time actually. Um, and, and the communicate like, so, so they, they have this, you know, they have, you know, access to, uh, you know, the kernel, they have access to the software layer. And, um, and so this is, uh, this is a big deal, right? And I, I've exploited SIM card, uh, vulnerabilities many times in Samsung devices, actually. And it's very interesting that, uh, you know, what happens when you plug in, let's say you have an unlocked Samsung device, uh, you know, meaning no network lock on it. And we, we plug in, let's just take, you know, one of the latest Samsung phones and we, we put in a Verizon SIM card as our, our primary SIM card that we're going to be using every day. Now let's just say we, we decided, which doesn't happen much. This next part doesn't happen much. But we decide that we want to actually change network carriers. So we're going to pop out that SIM card and we're going to put in an AT&T SIM card. What you're going to notice is that a screen, it says, well, okay, now restart your phone. And you're going to notice a blue screen come up with a SIM card on it. And it's going to be downloading the SIM card data to that device. Now what happens is there's specific commands like let's just take at commands right some haze commands modem commands that can be sent 
one, if so Verizon has specific commands that can be sent through through uh, through the modem because of those binaries that are downloaded from the SIM card. And AT&T has specific binaries that can be executed. And so now, again, what I'm trying to say is these SIM cards have specific properties um, in them that, that enumerate something, you know, on the device itself or install binaries on the device, you know, based on, on who the network carrier is. I have a question for you. And one of the things that really bothered me about Pegasus was what some people have, t have deemed or termed touch, uh, touchless malware. And I could be getting that piece wrong, but uh, zero click, zero click. Yeah. In the past, it's my understanding you had to open the text message, so to speak, tap a link, you go somewhere and you get your, you get Pegasus injected. And over the summer, they were talking about the zero click where feasibly you just get a text message and it's over for you at that point. Yeah. Yeah. That, so, so this has been, been proven, right? This zero click, um, and, and Apple actually patched this issue in, uh, iOS 14.8. Well, the, the issue is that they didn't actually patch it, right? I mean, they did their best to close some sort of a gap, but there is still that gap that's open. Clearly, uh, as we've been seeing throughout the world, that um, people are still being infected. You know, big, you know, you know, human rights activists are, you know, are being targeted, and this is at, clearly after the after the you know the known patch. But yes, you're right. You know, you can send this text message and, um, and because of the vulnerability that, that exists, you know, with the operating system and, and not just Apple, right? We're talking to Android as well, right? Um, sorry, I'm so, just an Apple user. So in my, oh, me too. There's no other phone, everything else. Yeah, I guess paperweights. So yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, I, I, uh, I always, always put that out there, but I am, an, I'm an Apple user, but, um, you know, I, I'm fascinated really by, by Androids because of how, um, you know, just, I mean, how open it is and, and like the customization, uh, but, but anyways, I'm with you on it. Yeah. Apple, uh, pretty much everything that I have. Well, if I could divert a little, because I actually posted this in one of our private things and you probably haven't had a chance to see this yet, Jonathan. So I'm putting you a little bit on the spot and I don't mean to by ancient, sure. uh, but we, there was a article that was released over the weekend how they set up a workbench to actually start tracking these SIM devices and using the actual cables, you know, and seeing what that communication is from the SIM card yeah. using Wireshark to, I, when you're doing your type of tests of data points and, you know, the forensics on these SIMs, is this type of setup the same that you would actually type of setup for some of your analytics or? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, definitely, um, but definitely similar. Right. But, um, you know, so, uh, I'll use a logical analyzer. So I'll actually solder points onto the actual SIM card itself. Right. So each one of those, each one of the parts of the SIM card actually has, has like little quadrants on them. Right. Mm -hmm. And they all, they all, you know, correlate to a specific process. Right. So that's, that's, you know, something to keep in mind. And, but, but yeah, so, so that is, um, it's similar, but yeah, I use a logical analyzer to you know, analyze everything in that sense, but then, you know, there's a lot of different tools, right? Yeah, yeah. tools to use, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty close. I actually saw a, someone actually in my team sent me a similar article um, that was published, I guess, 
yesterday that that's really similar to what you posted, but yeah. Yeah. Posted on medium.com. Yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I was really interested to see how they were going through and this, uh, this really lines up a little bit, nowhere to the level that you're doing, but you know, how predictive, I guess, analytics that they're doing on SNMS and, uh, MSMS for, uh, planning and things of that nature with the different carriers. So it's. I don't know. It was really fascinating when we started to talk about this and, you know, how you're going a lot deeper than this, but doing what you're doing. So. Yeah. I think, you know, a lot of it just really, it, it comes down to the chipset manufacturers and, and kind of the, these back doors that are actually built in to these devices. That doesn't and, and happen. It, That's like the placebo no. power button I mentioned the other day. <laughs> it's, it's really funny because, um, I reported, I reported a vulnerability to LG. And actually it was, um, I believe 34, about 34, zero days that I sent to LG and, wow. and their, yeah, their response was, and, and, and I'm actually hopefully going to post this after my legal team actually looks at everything. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, but the response was, you know, paraphrase, there's nothing we can actually do about this. And I know LGs are not actually in, in uh, production anymore. Right. So, but it doesn't give, doesn't, you know, take them off the hook to patch their, patch their systems. But, but the, the level of effort that it would take to actually patch these systems is enough for them to say, there's literally nothing we can do about it from their own words. Um, but there's a back door that, that I discovered in all of these, I mean, we're talking about like LGs from 11 years ago to the, to the most current LG device, uh, mobile device out there, right? They all have an engineering back door built in to they're, uh, you know, built into the, into their phones. This is specific to LG themselves. So it doesn't matter if you had a secured, um, uh, you know, secured that partition, right? Secured, um, you know, memory, um, passcode lock on the device. It does not matter at all. It, I mean, just consider it gone because this backdoor exists that lets you get into, to the whole thing. And, and it's, and it's all based off of the chipset manufacturers partnering with the, uh, OEMs. So that actually raises a good question that I'm not sure if you're able to comment or not, but you know, when we're doing a lot of MFA implementations for our clients, we're able to say, look, unless a mobile drive or the mobile device, sorry, has a drive that is encrypted, do not allow MFA with some of this, without you saying anybody particularly, but with what you're seeing and what you're doing is should we still is drive encryption not far enough these days now just to qualify this jonathan he's sure. talking about we're, us using something like duo where there's duo sure. uh device health to say if it if a device is in this range of states it's okay to be used if it's not then you can't receive and authorize push notifications or duo on this device gotcha so essentially like a, an, an mdm kind of system Something like it. So, for, you know, with, the, with iOS, it'll say, okay, is the phone jailbroken? Does the policy allow the use of jailbroken phone? Is it up to date with the most recent iOS software based on the policy, whether it's N minus one, two, or what have you? It's sure. very basic stuff and obviously encryption. Sure. Yeah. Um, we, we, would, we would hope that the secure enclave would help with that, right? Um, you know, we would, I, I've never seen the secure enclave. I've just read about it and I tend to right. not believe 99.9% .9 of what I read. Yeah. Yeah. So, so 
um, containerizing your your data uh, when it when it, it's it's like an iOS device, right? That's the that's the the goal, right? Let's containerize this data and then encrypt this this you know this data, and then make sure that the secure enclave actually manages the uh, the security of of this information. Unfortunately, right? Uh, so in 2020, uh, there was an article that came out that that specifically stated that uh, you know the secure enclave could could be you know breached, and um, and and so and actually it was it's funny there is um, I actually posted in my Twitter feed yesterday about this because someone actually had raised this question. It's very interesting that you say this, um, and I and I pointed them to. To, uh, to this exact uh, post that I'm speaking about, but it, it, to answer your question, um, you know, I'd still do it. I'd still do it. Uh, you know, the, the skill set level that it takes to actually break this type of, uh, you know, either encryption and and security is is quite high. I'm I don't want to you know spread any fear, on doubt, and certainty. You know, and uh, but, but these systems are are, you know, they're meant to protect us. Um, of course, they are always going to be broken. It doesn't matter what you put in place, but for the for the general public, these I, I feel like they're they're good enough to protect that information. Um, you know, there's always the chance, but I would still use it. You know, uh, again, that skill set level is quite high, uh, even if you're talking about state actors, right? That you infections with malware or or spyware. Um, generally, these are these are targeted attacks. And, uh, and so this is something to actually keep in mind that this is, you know, this doesn't live on everybody's phone in the, the entire world. That's too much. It's not impossible to manage, right? Especially with, with more quantum computing coming out, but this, you know, I don't want people to be, to be afraid of using their cell phones. It's not, it's not the point of this to bring awareness of what's actually out there. Yeah. I mean, let's just be real. I mean, you know, if man can, if man made it, man can break it. 100%. Right. Basically. 100%. One thing I want to go back to Pegasus ID, if you don't mind. Yeah. And zero click. Yeah. And it's multiple parts of this question. Is or will there be a time when Pegasus ID is able to identify how Pegasus was injected into the device? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't want to talk about it, that's Mark. Yeah. Yeah. See this? No, no, no. It's like maybe this, you want something. Uh, close to the vest. So let me, yeah, and shut up no, that. no, not at all. Uh, look, so, so this is, this is the thing, um, uh, you know, I, I do plan on, on tracing back its origins, right? That's, that's the, uh, that's the goal there. There's, there's a lot of, um, I can tell you this, this, this much, right? So if you go into my GitHub repository and you actually install some of the samples of Pegasus. Oh, dude, I'm feet. an idiot. That's Eric's wheelhouse. Oh, I mean, Eric, Eric, you need, if you go and install any of the, uh, APKs that I, that I, uh, I posted, what's going to be very interesting to you is, is, and maybe to, to a lot of people, um, is that when you, when you open up these APKs, they're written in Chinese Ooh. and, um, every single one of them is written in Chinese. Now, we have seen malware and spyware kind of as a decoy, right? Written in different languages by different state actors. This is, this is something that happens, right? That was good to my question. If it was a tactical move for that. Yeah. Right. And, and, but the other thing too, is that we, we, we see that these, let's say, um, you know, whoever, whoever created this, uh, it's proper Chinese though. That's the thing. So after having it analyzed, it is, it's, uh, it's a, 
there's a native, there was a native speaker, uh, and native, you know, so this is kind of something to, to think about, right? Uh, not, I not, right. Absolutely. After having you know, professionals analyze this, you know, several, you know, uh, absolutely a hundred percent, but, but again, these kinds of things are, are, are how we're tracing this back. Where's the, where are the origins now? Um, there's a lot of documentations, especially through, uh, you know, that have been submitted through my nonprofit organization. So I, I, I run a nonprofit, uh, organization that's, um, uh, accepts information about spyware. And, um, so hacktree.org is my nonprofit organization. Uh, and then, uh, the offset of hacktree.org is spyware.wiki. And so spyware.wiki is a, uh, is a place where you can submit, um, you know, spyware, uh, information. And then of course we, we validate everything to make sure that it's proper, but, um, you know, it's, it's dedicated specifically to, um, you know, information about spyware around the world. If you're actually creating it, are you a creator? Do you know anything about it? Do you know origins? Again, this is, this is kind of a, a lot of places where we're getting a lot of information from to validate you know, that origin to answer your question. Yeah. Well, the reason I, excuse me, the reason I ask is because of the nature of zero click, whoever wants to install Pegasus on target devices could feasibly just compromise a website and you load that website on your phone. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You have Pegasus in play, and now you're not just targeting one, a few people. This is mass surveillance. Sure. And I, I can't believe that Pegasus is only selling to their public or pseudo-public customer list with, the, with how many places it's actually been found by, from what you're saying, and then I followed, uh, is, it, is it Citizen Lab in Canada? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's several OTX uh, feeds around uh, public sites that have Pegasus and be able to deploy it. So what you're saying, Chiva, is a very real, very real, real world scenario. I mean, Absolutely. can you imagine just getting into something like, I don't know, uh, uh, bleepingcomputer.com with all the ads sure. on there and everything that's going to be loaded. Yeah. It's an easy factor. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I put out a proof of concept recently that I had submitted. I submitted to Apple and Apple said, this is in a vulnerability. Uh, it's interesting. Love, love. Uh, those are awesome. Right. Um, and so I, I resubmitted it for, for further evaluation because, um, so if you go to zero hak.com, that's my personal site, do it on your phone. Right. So this is not going to inject anything. It's not going to be crazy, but right. yeah. so says the hacker. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Uh, so zero, yeah, zero hak.com forward slash POC. And, uh, what this is going to do, it's going to, you're going to see it. You're going to see a screen that says you want to play a game and you're going to be a link right on top. If you tap it, what's going to happen is it's just going to take you automatically to your photos. No authentication. Right. No, 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 no pop-up coming up saying, do you want to open your photo? I want to do this. I just don't want to do it from my phone. <laughs> no, 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 look, I'm not logging in. I promise you, it's super, super ethical, right? It's, it's not, it's not going to, you know, trace, log anything. Eric, but, you but, go first. Yeah. But, but, uh, so yeah, zero hak.com forward slash POC. And to, I'm ordering a separate iPhone right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so generally if you're going to open up your photos, right? It's going to say, would you like to open up the photos? It's going to give you a prompt. Mm -hmm. Um, and so in my, and when I submitted this to Apple, I said, look, 
what I'm doing is I'm, I'm bypassing access controls right now. I'm so the, uh, the URL schema is photos colon forward slash forward slash. If you put that in your Safari, then it will come up and say, should I open your photos? But what I'm doing is a photos redirect. So photos dash redirect colon forward slash forward slash, and then injecting whatever the hell I want to at the end, right? Which can be the, can be a callback. And so it's bypassing those access controls and automatically opening up your photos. And they said, this is intended behavior. Eric uh, is you know, happy here because uh, he does the, so I'm an MSP right now. <laughs> I'm in the MSP space. I'm, a, I'm slightly smarter than M MSP. So take that for what it is. But Eric does this to vendors in the oh. MSP space on almost a daily basis, open redirects. Open redirects, yeah. all ignore him. Yeah. He shows yeah. them how it could be malicious and they're just like, eh, we don't care. Yeah. Yeah. This, it's not good, uh, especially uh, on an iPhone that, um, that's going to literally bring up. So, so I, the, the other portion is this, if you actually delete your photos app, like you actually remove it, but then you go to my site and you, and you tap on the, the link for the POC, it's going to it's going to bring up your photos. Oh, and the app is just a, a GUI. Right. to where you want to go, right? The data is still there, the underlying subsystems, because as far as I am aware of, and correct me if I'm wrong here, it's baked into iOS. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. So, and so, I, um, you know, as someone, so there's a security researcher that uh, I like to have, you know, check my work. And, um, he said one time, he said, if you are trying to figure out if your wife's up to them tricks, you know, this is a good, this is a good, uh, you know, POC to use, right? Um, you know, it's funny because it's like, if she's, if she's like deleting, is she deleting, you know, her photos out, you know, photos app, that's all right. Let's go to zerohack.com forward slash POC and you're bringing those photos right back up, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and that's not a, it's not a vulnerability though. That's, um, that's yeah. it's, it's intended, a, be intended, intended, it's a, it's a feature. Yep. So what's okay. going to be the deployment method for Pegasus ID? Yeah. So, uh. It will be a, right. It'll start off as a, as a Mac application. Um, and then hopefully, uh, some windows engineers will, will pick it up and, um, you know, in, in, in build, build a, an executable for windows. Um, and then, uh, you know, we're going to, since it, since, since it'll be open source, hopefully we'll have, uh, you know, um, an iOS application and then a, and a Google play application available, but it's starting off as a Mac application, a, a GUI, a Mac GUI, not going to be pretty. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a designer, right? Yeah. But it's uh, somebody on also, Fiverr. They're all trustworthy. Don't worry about it. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna, I'll let him, I'll let him do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, uh, but yes, yeah, so that's going to, and of course you have full command line options as well, uh, currently. Um, but, but, uh, just for the general public right now, you know, click, click on this button, you know, plug your phone in. And, uh, you know, then it'll identify everything, give it some time and it'll spit back your results. So it's just uh, dumping the contents of the phone into the app, into your application, your Mac application. Uh, right. Locally, right. Locally. Right. So I don't, don't, don't hold any logs, nothing, none of that. Definitely. For sure. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Are you, are you familiar with signal, the text messaging app? Absolutely. Yeah. How do you feel about signal? And Moxie, good, bad, undecided. Uh, I'll tell you why I ask just because I don't want to put you in any bad position. No, it's okay. 
have you thought about collaborating with them? Because they've been doing some pretty interesting stuff uh, with Celebrate and, you know, some of the other security tools in the space. Yeah. Um, you know, I think they think that they're, they're on the right track uh, as far as Signal goes. Um, you know, there's some, there's some holes, right? But there's always going to be holes. Um, in the forensic space, I am collaborating with, with quite a few um, you know, groups around the world. Um, you know, I, I've actually, I've actually communicated with, with Celebrite, you know, directly, um, you know, the, uh, you know, head of R and D, um, you know, uh, actually gray shift called me and, and offered me or, or not offered me a position, but asked to see offered to buy your soul, you know, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they said I had to update my resume, which was really interesting. And, uh, but, but they called me and asked me to update my resume. That was they, really they just want to know everything you, you yeah. give them without much effort on their part right right but like to deconstruct you, you at some point yeah you called me yeah but <laughs> yeah but uh, but anyway uh, yeah yeah go ahead no the go reason ahead. i asked specifically about signal is because i know not no i read uh six months maybe a year ago they found a celebrate device laying around on the ground and they were able to upload their own malware that was hidden within a test app they built. And, you know, there's this whole thing about the security or lack there of the Celebrate devices. So I was just sure. curious, if, because of what you're doing, if there was a synergy there with them, or I guess you, you already said with other people. Yeah, definitely. Definitely with some, with some other, um, you know, um, forensics firms and, uh, no, nothing against, you know, Celebrate, like I said, I, I have a good relationship with them actually, um, a, a really good relationship with them. And, um, you know, the, uh, and of course, gray shift and nothing against them. I just don't have a relationship like I do with Celebrate. Um, but, uh, you know, hopefully I've actually, someone was, was someone was actually going to introduce me to, to the, the CEO of signal recently. Um, it hasn't happened, but, but I He's just on get Twitter. Him. If you ping him and yeah. say, this is what I'm doing, he would yeah. probably get back to you. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll do it. I'll, I'll, okay. Let's do, do it. it. I mean, it, he doesn't know do me it. from a hole in the wall. I'm like, why is this idiot? Hey, let's do it. Me. But hey, you know, I'll do it. That would, that would, John's going to be between two. Okay. Days. Whoever's listening to this, this <laughs> today is November 8th. This comes yep. out next week on November 15th. Mm -hmm. Once you hear this episode, go to Moxie Marlin Spikes Twitter and say, hit up Jonathan Scott about Pegasus ID now. Mm -hmm. And you'll get, yeah. you'll get all three people that. Awesome. Awesome. You know, I, no, I do it. I do wonder, Jonathan, that what are you getting any sort of help, any funding from somebody for your efforts? Because I mean, I'm I'm in your space, like I said, to some degree. Now I'm wanted to go start ordering some more hardware and start cracking some phones. Um, because of what I've learned today, just like, oh, this is a new stuff. You know, cause I know, you know, hacker one bug crowd, all those that they, they got, you know, some hardware freaks out there that are just heavy in that space. And I know that's a much needed space, but you know, I know it takes a lot to do what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, are you having help fund this? Do you need help? Cause I mean, what you're doing is awesome. And I think, I think there needs to be a way. Yeah. Um. No, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm not getting any funding right now, but, um, you know, I, hopefully maybe in the future, uh, I'll ask, I, I, 
I guess I'm just not, not there yet. It, you know, um, I want to kind of prove myself, I suppose, before I start asking for anything. And I, I know, I know I've proved myself in, in, in a sense, right. But, uh, you know, it, I don't know, I guess, I guess because of the kind of work that I was doing before it kind of still have this, um, uh, you know, you're suffering from imposter syndrome right now. Well, no, maybe, maybe not that, but I have to kind of forgive myself for like the kind of technology that I was creating before. Right. Like I was saying, so yeah. And I say this with experience from this podcast, not that what you do, what we do are the same. I, as I said, yours is a public service and I think it needs to be done as on my side. I just think everyone needs to listen to us, but what do I know? <laughs> I think it's about controlling your own destiny, right? You don't want to take money and then have to be beholden to someone or something that tells you how and what to do, which is the reason I make the parody with us, with Eric and I. We've been reticent to take on sponsors and advertisers because it goes from us being able to do and ask whatever we want, be responsible for our own thoughts and actions, to now having to answer to someone who may not have that vision we have. Even if we, I mean, I don't know if we have a vision, but you know, it won't be our thing anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is, that's good. Um, I agree with you on that. That, that does take a big uh, enjoyment out. Right. Uh, of, of everything. And then, you know, am I doing this for the right reasons or am I doing this for, um, you know, for, because I have to please the, the people that have been invested. Right. right. Um, and again, this is, this is more like, it's, it's kind of like a, it's a moral thing, right. Not ethical thing, you know, ethics or business morals are personal. Right. But, um, you know, wherever I am in my life right now, I, I don't know if I'm ready for that. Right. I don't know if I'm ready to, to, to take on that. Yeah. Well, at least you understand that more, it's your choice, right? For sure. Let's do it as a more personal thing. Cause I mean, me and Shiva both have in our links, you know, a buy me a coffee. Sure. You know, yeah. Of course you've got where people can help support you. You see that on GitHub all the time, right? Help support my PowerShell, help support my efforts by doing that. Something like that. Or, you know, the whole crowdfunding, go Patreon or whatever, whatever. Yeah. I mean, so you're not you know, beholden to a crowd strike or recorded futures or, you know, name company here, you're, you've got people like us helping support you. Imagine, right. imagine you got an investment from NSO group and didn't know until it was too late. Oh, right. I'm, that yeah. would suck, right? No, it's like, you know, I, I do have, a, um, yeah, in the Twitter, uh, I, I do have a Patreon that's like buy me some Red Bulls, right. Uh, you know, but, um, you know, I, I don't promote it. I don't promote any of that it, it, you don't today till today you're doing it today right. you know what? you're not and promoting it we will right. and, right. and the reason the, you know the reason you know. we're going down this line of questioning with you is because we're all it costs money to live and if you sure. keep doing really good stuff you need to have some type of income so hey, you're doing yeah. cool stuff man i mean yeah there's a bunch of people out there you know just as well as i do there's a bunch of cra crappy people out there that are you know, out I saw for Twitter the bottom dollar in, uh, over the weekend. Oh, I don't want to call yeah. it Twitter, but. Oh yeah, no, it was, it was, it was interesting. Yeah. I mean, I like, was laughing my, dude, you made my weekend so entertaining. And I say that I with mean, some love, like, yeah, yeah, it was fun. Yeah. yeah it's funny. Like, uh, you know, so these, you know, people that are, you know, quite, uh, you know, quite, you have a big followings and public figures. I mean, uh, it's funny when when you, when you call them out on something, they just go crazy. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we had several, several big wars. I, I'd say there were wars for sure. I mean, 
you know, someone had specifically said, uh, you know, Hey, I'm a, I'm, I work for a fortune 100 company and I don't know how to code. I don't know how, I don't, I've never popped a shell. That's the one I'm talking about. Yeah. I've never, I've never, I've never, you, you know, I don't know what a container is like, and they're like literally listing all the things and they're like, but you'll be okay because I rely on, on subject matter, matter experts and my coworkers. And I'm like, oh God. what in the hell? Like you're getting paid 160 something thousand dollars and you don't know any of this. You don't need to know all of it, but you should at least know some of most of it or some of all of it. So you can know who the subject matter experts are and know when right. to bring them in. Right. Like I get that a C level is a, is like a movie director, mm -hmm. but you got to know what you're dealing hundred percent. I'm with you. I think and the other issue that I was having was there are, uh, you know, there are people that actually know how to write code and are actually having this security architect position, right? So because security architecture with when it, as it pertains to applications, you have to actually do, uh, you know, testing, you have to do, you, you, I mean, you literally have to write scripts for automation, right? These are things that are actually required to the, to the extent that even Bloomberg posted a position specifically actually like last month that said for a security application architect, you have to know all of these programming languages so you can actually validate your, your, your products. But, but to say, and, and there's people that are actually doing these things and to publicly say, you don't have to know any of it and you'll still get by really devalues who they are, what they're it devalues us like as yeah. IT practitioners in whatever our space is like, you know, yes, to me, your lane is really highly technical shit. So mm -hmm. Eric, yeah. he's pen testing and incident response. Me, I'm just the IT guy, right? I, I'll put you in a position where you're going to be better off than not. Eric's going to yeah. come in, clean up the mess. God forbid it happens. And you're the guy that's going to be like, let's not do this at all because it's a shit product for lack of better words. <laughs> yeah, but sure. I have a question for you. Uh, yep. It's a little bit of a rabbit hole. It's, uh -huh. Are you familiar with Azure functions? Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> Here we go, ladies. Oh and my. My beer. Oh my. Okay. All right. Go for it. I have seen a proliferation of people building platforms into Azure functions and they're using a fail fast mentality feature wise. What I'm not seeing and by say, by seeing in the application or in the documentation is the security layer added into. It's almost as though they believe that it's an Azure function in the cloud, so it is inherently secure. Oh, wow. How do you feel about that, that statement? Oh, I mean, oh my God. I told you it's a rabbit hole. Uh, okay. All right. So let's just say what we're power apps, maybe. Um, actually, honestly, we, we can use any, we can use any, any, uh, you know, Azure service in this sense, right? Okay. Um, Right. So to think that Azure has your back, right. And that you don't have to consider security at all. Uh, I'm mind blown by this, right? Because, uh, so I, I actually submitted, uh, eight vulnerabilities to, uh, Microsoft specifically, um, uh, you pertaining to, um, Azure uh, services and, and pr you know, programs, I mean, truly specific you know, issues that you're, that you're talking about right now, um, by leaving security in their hands, what happened is I was able, able to actually enumerate 400,000, uh, students 
right, from my university that, that, uh, that I was attending. And, um, I mean, I, I guess to say, look, I have a lot of issues with that. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Well, um, and the, the reason I ask this is because more and more people are developing, right? And I think yeah. Azure Functions has given the somewhat better than average person the ability to build something that, you know, hopefully is intended to help people. Sure. But the problem I have with it, with it is that they're not putting any thought into security outside of what they believe Azure Functions is going to give them. Yeah, that is the problem. That's definitely a problem. I mean, if, if you even look at the API and the exposure that the API actually, um, you know, you know, it's a mess, right? Like, like if I, I guess it's in my GitHub repository, uh, I guess is the best way I can say it. Um, yeah, if you, if you look in the GitHub repository under the Microsoft Azure data leak, um, you'll see exactly, uh, exactly what you're talking about, right? That I've, I've written about it, uh, specifically uh, on, on this issue. Um, it's horrible, right? It's, 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 it's exploitable. Um, it, it, uh, you know, people will say, well, this is not our responsibility. This is not, you know, this is not Microsoft's responsibility. Like there has to be, um, you know, there has to be some, some, uh, level of, uh, accountability, right? So if, so it's like this, if, if, if more and more people start, you know, deploying these applications without security enabled, and, and more and more of these applications are, are being you know, breached or, or there's a data leak because of it, right? There has to be, we have to kind of, you know, I believe we have to kind of roll back and, and say, all right, Microsoft, there has to be some sort of a policy or some sort of a, a you know, security revision that implements good security practices, because if people are not going to do it, then you need to do it for them, right? Uh, and, and so this is where kind of where, where my head's at in that sense. And, and I believe that the more and more that we see you know, these, uh, you know, applications for the people, right. Be, br they're breached and, and leaked and with data, you know, everywhere. I, I believe that there has to be a change, you know? And that's the issue I have because, you know, I don't know how familiar you are with the MSP space, <clears throat> managed services providers. No, not, not too, not too bad. Bunch of children running businesses is the best way I can explain this. Okay. But it makes sense. <laughs> you take a lot of technicians who have 20 year old knowledge and okay. want to continue building infrastructure for the SMB and small enterprise with that mentality, not really taking into consideration the threat vectors of today, or even the text techniques of mitigation or tools you can use to help mitigate. Sure. And that's the MSP space. And we use something called an RMM, which is a remote monitoring and management platform. Uh, okay. Kaseya, uh, you may have heard of that. I, uh, it sounds a little familiar. Yeah. So you install an agent on a computer, it calls back home to a C2 server and you can gotcha. run anything you want. Like if you can dream it, you can send it out. Yeah. It's a paid version of a C2 server. And okay. I understand. These platforms are 20, 30 years old with no security built in. Yes, or very little. It sounds about right. Yeah. And yeah, the reason I bring this up is because to get away from that, people have been moving to putting applications into Azure Functions. Sure. And that's where I thought of, hey, where's the security layer in this? Because if you're just using Azure, then a security breach is agnostic to what the product you're building is. It's a matter of just breaching that Azure function system. Right. Absolutely. And, and that's the issue I have. Yeah. So here, if I can, let's take a let's take a little bit of higher level, okay? 
Sure. So let's say I'm a web developer. Dear God, thankfully to everybody, I am not. Can you um, handle DNS? I can handle DNS, so I'm at least better than that. Um, so let's say we're doing a web server, we're doing .NET, we're doing whatever. I build something that is inherently insecure. I have, you know, like Jonathan said, you know, a open redirect that will allow me to open up some other application or whatever. Is that now a .NET issue because it was allowed to be done? Or is it my issue because I coded it that way? Yeah. Yeah. So that's really the, that's really the, the thing is, I mean, do you go back to Microsoft or IIS server misconfigurations? No. It's the same thing with the Azure, right? So Azure or Google Firebase or any of these, you know, containers and open repos and whatever, we'll go on for a million years. You know, I think it, Microsoft has put a platform out there for everybody to use. I still think it's on the technologist to properly secure their crowd and audit what they're building. And that's really what the big thing is. Cause you know, you probably see this as well as I do, but the amount of times that I will look at source code of an application and see so many third party GitHub repos referenced in an application. And then I'm like, okay, let's, let's rip this thing apart. Okay. This was by Joe mama version 1.6.8 that was released three years ago and he's got seven or eight different updates because of security issues i'm like ah! yeah. <laughs> you know that's that's the problem you're gonna have with any kind of dependency based system right unless you're willing but, to you know code it all for yourself or do code review for yourself you're gonna run into that I mean, this is the, this is a good issue that you're raising. Um, again, another GitHub repo that I, that I have up there, uh, is a, uh, so in iOS 15.0.2, I, um, I oh, found, fixed us. right. Yeah. It, I actually, I found a, um, I found a code comment. It, like I, I unpacked the DM, uh, unpacked the, um, DMG that was inside of the IPSW. And, um, and then I found a code comment that was calling back to ISO.org and it was a, and it was a, it was a URL actually, and a URL calling back to uh, ISO.org. Well, it, once I accessed that URL, I was kind of just going through and, and, you know, what am I here? You know, I was, this was inside of a code comment. What, what is this? What's Apple calling back? Are they, so they're looking for tables. So it was, you know, uh, us equals United States, CA equals Canada you know, you know, that kind of a country code table from ISO.org. Now, um, the issue is, is, well, it exposed 10,000 plus emails, usernames, first names, and last names from ISO.org customers around the world. And it's still an active leak right now. Like to this day, I've reported it to Apple twice. I've reported it to ISO.org twice. There's media been written about this, actually. They validated that they can actually see this information. They posted how many emails that they can actually enumerate, right? We're talking about like, like this is a, this is a, 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 you know, a breach and a leak based off of open source, um, you know, based off of, you know, really poor QA or no QA done from, from an open source, uh, um, project that had been implemented into Apple 
you know, for the past, you know, nine revisions or more, right? Uh, it just commented in, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, since 2009, no one's ever checked this code comment at all. But what, what's happening is this, this uh, URL actually bypasses the paywall for ISO.org. Mm-hmm. So, and so, so ISO, is it, is it on ISO.org? Well, no, because ISO.org actually has a paywall and uh, they didn't actually write this open source code. It may have been in this way, this URL back, you know, before 2009 or around there. But, um, but since then they said, Hey, you got to pay for this information. You can't be backdooring this information. But of course, Apple is backdooring this information. And so they opened up a hole in ISO.org that exposed currently to this date right now, um, 10,000 plus customers. That no, really, no one's fixed it. Yeah. That really reminds me of what was released not too long ago, where the Microsoft activator URL or the activation process for Microsoft office. And I think the OS as well, you know, if it didn't see the U or the full URL for the Microsoft 365 tenant, it was going to okay. an unregistered URL that a researcher, thankfully a researcher found it activate or registered that domain and was collecting, oh. you know, plain text usernames and fo- passwords that were trying to authenticate against 365 tendencies. Wow. Wow. Yeah, but how long was that going on before it was found? You know, that's what I'm afraid of, right? It's, yeah. I, I'm worried about zero days before they get labeled a zero day. Yeah. 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 So, quote unquote, no day. Or exactly. Yeah. And end day. Yeah. The end day. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, those are those are real. This is real stuff. I mean, um, it's interesting in the InfoSec community. Um, <laughs> unless you can actually like take someone down and prove it in front of like eight people, uh, it's not real. It's fake. It's a phony, right? But but um, uh, you know, there's a lot of vulnerabilities out there that are that are really dangerous. Um, to the extent that you don't want to actually, you don't want to actually show the entire proof of concept to the public. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's, that's the thing, like show part of what you can do. And if you can understand that part is, is really dangerous just to get your point across so that, you know, the, the proper people can actually see and listen. Yep. Uh, that's, that's, that's the whole thing about it, right? Still staying ethical about it. Um, yeah. I mean, I did a live, uh, I did a live, um, yesterday or early this morning. Um, I opened up a, a HomePod mini live and I collected the, I did a data dump from the HomePod mini. And, uh, so I set up the HomePod mini with, with my iPhone that I, that I had iCloud on. And then I used another phone that did not have an iCloud, but I installed a developer certificate, uh, or excuse me, a developer uh, profile on that extra phone, uh, that would, uh, you know, have extended logging. The information that I was able to grab just by being close to that Apple HomePod mini was enough for me to actually end the live because I was crossing that line again of, of ethical, um, of ethical, you know, disclosure literally ended the live, like cut it off and said, I cannot go further and show you any more of the data that's actually been gathered because you're going to actually go out and do this, you know? So, uh, you know, and, and this is, this is the reality of what's at, like this phone had never been paired with this HomePod. It didn't, you know, it, this phone had never had any authentication. All it had was a developer profile that was, you know, given by Apple to install. 
which in it's extended logging that you can get, you know, it's crazy. It's just, it's just too much, right? A lot of it is security after authentication. (laughs) Yeah. And the reason I say it like that is because no one really practices zero trust. It's like, once you're authenticated, let's open the floodgates. And that's what it is with that developer certificate. It's like, Hey, he's using this for good things. Let's open the tab. Gosh, you bring up an amazing point. I call it true trust vulnerabilities. True trust yeah. vulnerabilities. Yeah. And uh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Please, please. So, so I'm actually, I'm, I teach, I teach this, um, actually you know, to, to, uh, yeah, a lot of, uh, people, um, this is real, right? We've put too much trust in our, in our devices, right? Well, let's say we, we plug in our, our and one of the, the, uh, one of the proof of proof of concepts that I, I did uh, recently that I got you know, a lot of flack for from about like eight people, of course. Right. But, um, you know, is I had a, I have a phone plugged into the, to, uh, have an iPhone plugged into my Mac. And what happens is you get a trust dialogue that comes up. Okay. So I trust that. Now it says to put in the passcode, fine. I put in the passcode and I trust it. Now in the background of your Mac, let's just suppose you have Apple configurator running. Okay. You got Apple configurator running, which has the ability to actually wipe your device, do a backup and, and, and restore. Okay. What I did was I actually created a malicious website that actually, uh, if I could, I sent this malicious website to the phone that was hooked up to the, uh, to the computer through an airdrop and I wiped the phone with its own trust. So I used its, I used the own, uh, I used the internal um, processes of the machine that it was actually hooked up to. And I wiped that phone without you ever knowing what, what happened. So because you are already trusted, that trust that you have with your computer allowed me to wipe your phone without your authentication, without your knowledge, even you can't stop it. And, and, and people were saying, oh, it's not a vulnerability because you were already trusted. Well, ha- but wait, that's what? privilege escalation. It's, it's, it's uh, a- sure. It's just a vulnerability of an existing system. Like you're trusting your phone is a system. And here's the issue, right? Is because I could send you an airdrop without, um, you know, without any prompt of, do you want to accept this? Right. I mean, right. Just right in here lies the issue is that we're just trusting everything that we're accepting everything. And Apple actually put out a CVE, uh, in 20, uh, in 2020 with the, uh, um, Apple TV. That specifically said that there was a, a, that a, a, um, a trust, there can be a trust, a misuse of trust, um, vulnerability from an Apple, you know, on an Apple TV and, and then, and then remote host. And, uh, and so these true trust vulnerabilities are real. And, and the more that we continue to trust these devices without further authentication, right? Multiple authentications, maybe not every time, but, but, you know, different forms of authentication that we need to really rethink. And especially when it comes to the metaverse, right? This is, this is kind of where like, like we're just going to trust everything and then think, all right, we're, we're good to go. I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense. So, uh, yeah, the, these kinds of issues really are things that I'm raising because it's not only just with Apple devices, it's with Androids, right? Which it's with, you know, if I can have some sort of an access to your machine, any sort of access, I have full access to your device. Consider single sign-on these days or 
here's sure. one of my biggest pet peeves. Not you know, single sign-on. I get. Let's have an IDP. Let's figure out ways to centralize on that to protect everything. Okay, I see the argument. Fine, whatever. Where I have a problem right now is passwordless authentication. Okay, yeah. And I want to qualify what that is, at least for me right now. That's just using the biometrics on your phone, logging in. There's an app or something tokenized on here that you inherently trust because now you're doing zero, you're doing no password, passwordless. Right. Well, and this is a question I brought up with a company that's selling passwordless authentication. Are you going to allow me to create a separate passcode from my phone that I have to enter? to use this passwordless authentication, or are you going to rely on the inherent Apple biometrics or Apple passcode? Because I don't know about you, but there are people in my life who know my passcode from my phone. For sure. Does that mean I want them to be able to use my phone to gain passwordless access into corporate things? Definitely sure. not. Right. And that's my issue with passwordless right now. It's not really secure. That's a good, that's a really good uh, point that you make. I mean, um, you know, say, you know, your significant other, spouse, whatever it may be. Um, yeah, generally they have access to your, to your device, right? Passcode or whatnot. Um, you're right. But should they be able to access your corporate information? No. Right. I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's a violation of your corporate policy anyways. You, you're right. You're right. I mean, that's a really good point. Um, we really need to rethink the way that we have access controls to our devices. Um, I know, uh, it's, it's, we just, again, we've kind of forgotten all about the, you know, the trusting portion of everything, you know? So I, I think we just have to not trust anything quite honestly. And yeah. if, if we can get away from anything that saves a password or saves a login or tokenization of a login, that would make me sleep a lot better. Yeah, for sure. I still won't sleep, yeah. but I'll sleep better. <laughs> and yeah, the reason I brought up the password authentication is there's a vendor out there and their big claim to fame is that they're used by uh, FBI. Okay. And when I brought this up, they said, well, we don't have a client big enough that asks for that. So if you want it, you have to pay for the dev time. And I'm like, you just told me the FBI is your client. Mm -hmm. You're okay. Even with CGIS controls out there that govern how their data is accessed. You're telling me you're okay with their kid, their spouse being able to get into CGIS control systems because they know the passcode for a phone. Sure. Or possible, they, their spouses should know it. I'm like, okay, and I'm okay. sorry, I'm, I'm sorry I'm going no, no, on a tangent here, I'm with but you. I'm with you, I'm with you. We are in a, whether you want to call it a COVID world, a post-COVID world, whatever the left, the right, the middle, up, down, whoever the hell wants to call what. Sure, sure. If you go into a store and you're wearing a mask and you have to type in your passcode, how many cameras are picking up your passcode? 100%. And 100%. that is targeting to get it to knock you over the head in the parking lot put your passcode in and you have access to seizures control data or yeah. any proprietary or privileged information. Absolutely. Anyway, that's my soapbox. No, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. This, uh, what's interesting is that, um, you know, there's, if you look at the, if you look at the, uh, your debit card and you have the chip on there, there is, if, if you actually cut out that chip, it's the exact same size as the SIM card that goes into your phone. Yep. No, don't tell me. No, it is. Size, shape. I mean, no, I think you yeah. may just have to file one edge at a diagonal, I think. Well, actually, I have a SIM cut, uh, SIM card uh, cutter. Cutter. And so I, so, uh, you know, I'll take these and I'll do forensics on my own cards. People always cut the numbers on their cards when they, when they, you know, discard them. Mm. Oh, my. 
If you cut, cut shred everything, you need <laughs> your pin Burn code. It. Your pin code lives there. Yeah, and 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 so if you're just cutting the numbers, who cares about the numbers? Your numbers don't work anymore. Give me that chip. Well, not only you know, does it not, it's your location data too. All the spending data. I mean, you'd be surprised what's on that chip. The guys that are cutting the numbers are still fighting Frank, Frank Abignali from the 1960s. You're right, right. They're not yeah. fighting today's threats. And that's, that's my problem with our industry is that it's advancing quickly, making really good leaps and downs. But why are we still dealing with Windows 7 computers? Why are we still yeah. dealing with Windows XP? Yeah, I get that it's legacy, which to me means you were too cheap to upgrade when you should have. So now you're stuck mm -hmm. with shit. Sorry for the language, but no, you know what? Here's a, here's what's funny. Um, when you get a new debit card in, they have this like, super easy activation process, right? They're like, uh, they say, you know, go, uh, you know, go into the app and then validate, give me the, the, you know, this, uh, CVV of the card. Okay. It's fine. But, uh, if I were to actually go into your mailbox and grab that card that's been sent to you, it already, it's like, it's just a, you say it's a, you know, your card expired and it's not been stolen or anything, right? They, they send you a new card. So it's not expired on that chip is your pin already. Your pin's already there. Hmm. It's already there. And, and, and what nobody's doing the forensics on this. And it's like, wait a second, stop. Like you literally have my pin code inside of the mailbox. And so when someone takes this and they do the forensics on it, all they're doing is authenticating the, the CVV of the of the card to make they sure have that, everything they what? need, right? Right. I mean, because because when you use that card, you don't worry. Your your pin's the same. How, I mean, how many times do you hear that? Your pin's the same. You didn't ever change. It's okay. Don't worry about it. They used to do that. Like when back in the early two thousands, mm -hmm. when you got a new card, you had to go into the branch and have them put your pin in. Yes, I remember. Now it's well, like cargo, yeah. It's like, hey, we already know your pin, even yeah. though it's personal. And we shouldn't know it, but it's on your card. So go spend, give us our 3% or 2% that in merchant fees. And I mean, right. they don't care. It's in their best interest to make it frictionless, which is why, and I'm hoping you don't tell me I'm wrong, but I could be. That's why I like Apple Pay. Supposedly it's a synthetic number that's created for each transaction linked back to the sure. original yeah. yada, yada, yada. But to me, using Apple Pay yeah. or has always felt more secure than handing a waiter in a restaurant, my card to go in a back room, skim it or swipe yeah. it on something and who yeah. the hell knows. Yeah, I, I agree with the, I agree with the concept. I agree, you know, maybe not specifically the Apple Pay, but I understand, you know, again, the high level of complex, the complexity it takes actually, you know, infiltrate, you know, Apple Pay, um, you know, it, it, it is, you know, it's quite, you know, it's quite high, right? But, but so I'm with you on that. So I use privacy.com. Okay. So privacy, so privacy.com is, it's an app. Uh, similar, right? Basically exactly what you're talking about. You know, it's a, you know, dynamically changes, you know, every time on your purchase, if you want, or you can, you discard it after a week, whatever it may be. Um, it's all, it's super, super awesome, super helpful. But, uh, yeah, what you, what you're saying with Apple pay is not like, um, I think my issue too, is like, not everyone takes Apple pay. And so I find myself like not able to pay for everything with Apple pay. How um, dare they? It's 2021. That's what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> You know, but, but yeah, so, so that, that's, that's super important, which is, you know, I would always recommend people, you know, you know, use that, uh, you know, dynamic credit card, um, you know, number that's, that is super, super important. You know, if we're, if you're still getting, you know, scammed by credit card, 
uh, people stealing your credit card number is something you're doing something wrong these days, right? They're already so, into your life. Yeah. Like you, yeah. So you, you really got an issue that you got to figure out, but yeah, if you ever, if you're interested in like doing some research on, on your own cards, like you'll find it very interesting, especially the ones that have NFC on them. Right. So like the, uh, <laughs> I mean that you can actually see like the radios inside. If you actually look under, you know, uh, you put it under a really bright light at the Those bottom. Old Microsoft, the not Microsoft, sorry. Those old American express, uh, blue cards. They were transparent, oh. so you could see the antennas anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and these are these are these are ultra high frequency. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So, so uh, I mean, you're talking about like you can you can trigger these from quite a quite a distance. And I have, uh, you know, I've done a lot of experiments, and uh, it's it's quite shocking. Yeah, yeah. Proxmark three with a good freaking base antennas. Or oh yeah, or, you know. yeah. Yeah, we old going you know throw old school radio throwbacks. You know this is super important yep. for people to to learn, right? I mean, this is. I mean, look, I'm I'm breaking into phones with with uh, with with Hayes commands, with AT commands. You know, oh. you know what I'm saying. I mean, uh, 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 I, you know what I'm saying. I mean, this is how I'm breaking into phones. I mean, this is still in there. Like it's like the chipset manufacturers thought, hey, that's fine. Don't worry about upgrading that code base. And for reference, it, Hayes AT commands are from the old bald 30, uh, oh, yeah. 36 or 36 K modem. So when you heard those weird screeches and everything like that, and you, if you think back and you actually look at some of the pictures, AT was an actual light. Yeah. Dude, so most of the cybersecurity experts and air quotes for those listening mm -hmm. weren't alive to hear those screeches. Yeah. Most of them. So I'm, I'm 35 and I, I'm barely was alive to hear the screeches. I remember, uh, some screeching. Um, but I was on like, I was on like, uh, 56 K. I wasn't even on 28, eight. Yeah. He, um, he, he he's lucky. He was born into 56. Out doing yeah. I was born in 14, four was my second modem. Yes. It was before no. 72, was it? Yeah. 72. 7,200. Oh God. Dude, I'm old. Yeah. So, so, but I, I did have, I was on a bulletin board though. I gotta tell you that I was on, uh, you know, uh, sdm.lonestar.org. Uh, so. <laughs> Oh, ABS systems. Yeah. Just another lesson for you, young whippersnappers. Bill, uh, freaking Gore, whatever his first name is, oh, did not, he did not fucking build the internet. The BBS systems did. Right. Yes, right. he did. He said he did. And in this I day and age, if you say you're a cybersecurity expert, that's it. Go right. on Clubhouse and you say the same thing. You must be. And if you and if you sell a course, then you're a, then you're an expert even more. Oh, apparently, I don't even get me started. You know, I'm selling courses, man. Yes. I mean, I've got, I, I, you know, I, I, I had a podcast with, with, uh, with someone and, and we talked about this and, you know, I personally don't sell courses. I mean, if you want to, that's fine. Right. But, um, but there are some people that are just scamming the hell out of, of others and that's the yeah. problem. Right. And by now, some, I think you mean, let's say 90% of them. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I will stand with you on that. Or some right? ungodly high percentage of. Yeah, Jock, yeah, you probably know of him, the, the cyber mentor. He was going on about it uh, a couple weeks ago where someone or two or three people were clearly ripping off his course. It's funny because the cyber mentor and I kind of got into it this weekend. Um, oh, I when, missed that one. Yeah. That's what it, I'm saying. Good. Like I was looking at his Twitter this weekend and I was cracking up. Oh my God. So he blocked me. He blocked me and, uh, because, uh, somehow so so some some people reached out to me uh and said hey i need some help with um 
with some, you know, some issues they're having with the uh, cyber mentor, you know, canceled his certificate. And he said, well, he, his certificate got canceled because he was cheating. And, uh, you know, we found out through a discord or something along those lines and, and piracy and stuff. And I said, well, one, I don't, I don't promote piracy, right? Uh, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to promote anything illicit. And, uh, so I said, okay, well, um, what's actually happening here? Uh, and so he responded in his, in, and said, uh, well, he was he, piracy. And, and I told him that if he apologized after a year, he could actually come back in. And I said, okay, all right, well, you know, um, fair enough, I suppose. Uh, actually, hold on, I got to change my, my headphones. I think my adapter's dying. Okay. Sorry. That's better. No worries. Uh, so what happens is, is that I say, uh, all right, well, uh, let's show the proof. So this, this, this student says, uh, you know, I don't, um, I, I wasn't cheating. I, I, you know, I, I didn't even know that I had posted, uh, you know, this information in a torrent. It was just all in a file. I'm sorry. Okay, fine. Um, but, uh, there was two incidents. One was the piracy. One was the cheating. Okay. So the student, the student that got his, that, that got his uh, certificate revoked was one that was accused of cheating. Right. And he was the only one with a, with a certificate. And he said, I didn't, I didn't pirate anything. I just, I, when I wasn't cheating either. Uh, and, uh, so I tried to talk to uh, a cyber mentor and he specifically says, Hey, I don't want to talk to you about this. And, uh, not myself and the XSS rat Wes. Uh, tried to talk mm -hmm. to him. So we both, we both kind of say, Hey, let's, let's talk about this, you know, privately one, we know the age of the students, right? So we don't want to expose them first off, right? They're under, they're under age of 18 and just kind of putting them on blast in public. Right. And especially, you know, they're, they're not American, they're, they're Indian, their culture is different, right? There's a whole mess of things that have to be, be taken into consideration. Like you're accusing someone who's saying I didn't actually cheat. You stole my certificate and my parents paid a lot of money for this. And he's publicly calling them out and saying, you cheated, you're done. This is why you got, and I'm saying, Hey, cool it. Right. Just stop. Mm -hmm. You know? Uh, so, so I start saying, Hey, look, if you're going to be going this route and accusing people without showing any proof, right. Then you're actually, you're, you're violating, you know, you're violating privacy one, right? Because first you're selling courses to underage, you're selling courses to underage, uh, uh, students without consent of the parents. And he's citing, he says, if you get caught doing X, Y, Z, then you're going to be subject to criminal prosecution. You're subject to, you know, all kinds of things with the law. And, you know, in the United States, these kinds of things require a, a guardian's, you know, approval, a guardian's, you know, uh, mm -hmm. you know, authentication that you can actually do these things because one generally you're binding a contract States, with a minor, which is hundred, 100%. And that's what I was trying to get the point across. I'm saying, look, you're actually gathering data, right? By going into some, going into a discord and, you know, one, you're, you're gathering data on a minor, whatever that conversation was. And you're asking another minor what the conversation was. And then you're making a decision based off of two minors actually giving you information. And then you're publicly saying you're a cheater, you're a liar, you're a stealer, you're a thief. He actually said to them. And so this was my issue was you need to stop doing this. Ended up, he, he refunded both of the students, right? He refunded both of the students. Um, he kicked them out of the program. Uh, one of them admitted to having, uh, you know, put, put some information up that was, uh, it can, could be considered piracy. Right. And I don't support that. 
Um, but, but the other one was not cheating at all was refunded again. But, but anyways, my whole point was they reached out to me because look, there is a privacy issue here. You cannot actually, it, you, as I said, right. So, so, I, and I cite all my sources, I cite everything and it actually stopped. The whole thing stopped after I said, look, you're doing all of these things with a minor's consent. I said, you can't just put up a website and sell to anyone in the world, right? And, and just say, all right, buy my, buy my course. It doesn't matter what age you are. And you have to agree to all of these terms, these legal terms and agree to, uh, you know, being prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Well, of course, they're just going to click. Okay. Yeah. Right. And then you're going to come at them and call them a thief, right? In public. And then say, this is what's going to happen to you if you continue and you agreed to this. And they're like, I don't know. Anyway, my, uh, the issue stood with, with the privacy violations and, and it was, it was taken care of, but, but he did, um, he did block me and doesn't want to speak with me. I don't have any issue with him at all. Um, and, and I hope that he does correct the, you know, his, his course, because this is, this brings up a really valid issue. And if you're selling these courses, you have to understand who your audience is. And if they are underage, you need to have the consent. Well, it's just how is he U.S. based? Yes, he is U.S. based. So then he's invoking some U.S. law at some state level and right. they all need consent of a guardian. hundred percent. So I cite, so, I cite those, I cite those laws, um, in, you know, in the tweets to him and, and honestly, there was no pushback. There was no pushback on it at all. No one said no. And, and, and there was a lot of people that agreed and said, wow, we didn't know this. We didn't know that this was actually happening. I don't but, want to say it's okay to not know. But you probably should if you're yeah. selling anything. I mean, well, yeah, especially as base as what I would term as basic as that in sen in sense of the difference between a minor and not. And I think the, the other issue that I was raising was you have to understand that if you're selling courses to an international uh, um, you know audience, you have to adhere to their specific guidelines when it comes to data privacy, right? So if you're selling to someone in in your in Europe, you're talking about GDPR. Right. Mm -hmm. You're talking about like data privacy that, that if you don't have these laws or, or sorry, these policies in place that say we adhere to GDPR, we adhere to, you know, PAA, you know, whatever it may be, um, uh, you know, then, then you're actually putting yourself into a really risky situation because if it says you cannot collect data on someone from our country, if they purchase something from your country, then, and if you don't follow those laws, you're, you're in a world of hurt. Right. Or if you have to collect a certain, types of data. So do you have to submit to GDPR? Right. I mean, this is, this is the kind of thing that you have to think about these days, whenever you're, you know, whenever you're creating these, these organizations or selling anything online that involves people's data, you have yeah. to keep this in mind. And that's what I was mentioning too. I cited all of the, uh, you know, these organizations that's super important. Um, I hope he does get that message because I don't want him to see, you know, I don't want any, uh, you know, um, anything, anything, any harm to this business. I, I do actually, I said, I, I agree with the content, uh, that you're making. You're very helpful. You know, he, he, I know he, I can tell he got, got a good heart. It's just a situation that, um, that's kind of just escalated and it needed to become to light, you know? I think the internet makes it hard because there's no intonation. Like you can send me a message and my interpretation of that message is solely based on how I read your voice in that message. Right. Right. And right. that's why I think there's a lot of back and forth with people because we don't talk to anybody anymore. It's all text or some version of 
a word, a, a written word. That's right. Yeah, I, I do tell people, you know, if you if you have an issue, can let's let's talk about it privately or, or on the side. And and you know, there's been many people that have been, uh, you know, that opposed to to what I've said or what I've or or the you know the the code I've released. And um, you know, we've actually come to uh, you know really good understanding. Maybe not an agreement, right? But a respect, a mutual respect, and 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 that's what it takes. Is you're right. If we can talk to each other like humans. I think we can get further than than yelling at each other and saying you're stupid or something on on, on Twitter because it, where does that fit into the argument, right? But see, I like yelling at people to tell them to go fuck themselves. I like that too. That's fun thing. and more than deserved. Yeah, I'm with you. I <laughs> just remember, aggression counts. Uh, sorry, enrage. I, I read this somewhere this weekend. Enragement counts as engagement on all these platforms. So the more yeah. that they have, is the more you're going to see it. It's the more going to happen because that's how they make their money and yeah, i wish i could weird. say i came up with that saying but i read it this week and i just don't remember where yeah there's always a troll that's going to just pop up from somewhere and somewhere and somewhere and mm -hmm. just say something random you know um it's weird but that's how it is i want to send out a tweet say hi yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um it's funny xss rat wes he put he put a tweet that said hi and i think he got like 300 likes and like 200 retweets or something. I mean, <laughs> it was awesome. It's amazing you know. like things on Twitter take on, man. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's interesting. There was someone yesterday talking about, um, you know, Twitter life is Twitter life. And, and it generally accounts for like 1% of the, uh, InfoSec community around the world, right? Most, most of them are not even on there. Um, you know, there's just you know, specific kind of people that are on there. Right. And, uh, um, breaking in is like just to break in and, and come up is really tough right yeah um i mean super tough um and and how do you do that how do you break into that community if you i mean you're, you're supposedly already in but but the twitter community kind of doesn't accept you until well i don't really know that you gotta either piss off the right person the wrong person <laughs> or have a really sweet zero day right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. exactly well, yeah usually you know you gotta suck up to the right people and that's yeah. things in life. That's not just, you know, cybersecurity, Twitter. Of and if course. you can't make it there, there's always Clubhouse where everyone's an expert. It's not, oh my. Who are you? I don't know if you've ever been on there, uh, Donald. Oh yeah. No, yeah. No, no. Some of the stuff I hear on there, I just say why. I love, I love, I love, uh, I tell you, I love one room. And it's kind of uh, off. Uh, well, it's nice kind of related. It's, it's the uh, birds or drones room. Okay. So. It's oh, we're going down that route. Oh, that one is so good. My wife and I, my, a joke and, and you're saying, so if there's, there's a you know, bird, you know, flying around us, it was probably going to recharge here in a second, jump on a power line, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, a uh, yeah. Well, there are people well, that believe that and that's the thing. Yeah. I love it. I love that room, you know, and it's kind of, I'm, I'm super open to everything, right? I just want to hear people's, you know, I want to hear their views, right? I may, I may not agree with it. I don't have to agree with it, but uh, I, I, I love their views. Uh, and, and it's just like, this is this, you know, to someone that's the reality. And I want to, I want to respect that. I just like, I, some people ask the questions, right? They ask these questions. Well, if all birds are drones, well, well, how, when we're eating, you know, how come we don't see any, you know, mechanical parts? And they say, well, 
they kind of dissolve whenever, you know, whenever they die, all these parts dissolve and they, ha and they have this like, and they're so just like matter of fact about it. And I'm just like, I mean, that is, a, I mean, it's super convincing. I'm like, wow, maybe uh, <laughs> you know, what's in my chicken nugget? Who knows? Right? I, always, I always say, I say this, Eric, once a day, it's a whole new world out there. Yeah. Yeah. And he all, he invariably comes back with some Aladdin joke at me, but that's okay. Yeah. My flying carpet but, is green. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 yeah, I'm on clubhouse. I do, I do some, um, some talks, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a guest in a few, uh, few you know, clubs and, and people ask me to speak, but, um, I've never hosted my own, you know, room or anything. Uh, That's how we but, started this actually. Yeah. Clubhouse. Him and I would just go on, start blabbing to each other. I mean, we've known each other for a while. Like, hey, let's record this. Hey, let's yeah. make a podcast. Hey, let's do video and a podcast. Hey, let's try to be bigger than Joe Rogan. Yeah. We're going to answer that question in about the next 65 years, if yeah. we get there or not. Yeah, it's by, I, you know, I think, I think, uh, I think if you get, if you, you have the content and, you, and the right people, you know, you can get there. I, I mean, I have no doubt for sure. The two announcements are blowing shit up. Cause that Dude, I am brown. Do not say that. They're going to take you serious. <laughs> I said, I'm green. I am brown. Let's not yeah. go down that road. He was joking for whoever's listening. God damn it. Right. But, um, yeah, you know, we've had some interesting, uh, guests on recently and I count you among that. Like, thank you. I, you know, we, we want to put out a podcast that where that people can listen to have a few laughs and learn something. And, yeah. You know, if that's what they get. Then I'm happy with that. So. Yeah, I think it's always good that um, you know, we you can actually listen, right? So a lot of times I'm I'm working and, and I'm listening to something in the background. I mean, I think that's super important to have that fluid dialogue, you know, I think that we've been having and you know, kind of engaging in that sense, you know. Yeah, your subconscious picks up on a lot of things when you have that stuff going on in the background. So uh -huh. yeah, for sure, for sure. Cool. Well, I do want to be mindful of your time. I know we yeah, are sure. way over than what we actually <laughs> come on for. Oh, it was I fun. It was, it was thoroughly fun. enjoyed this. I'm going to enjoy editing it even more. <laughs> <laughs> when he says that, there's like almost no editing. Yeah. So editing is we put a intro screen, we put an outro screen, awesome. and then I wait the 35 million hours for my computer to render this, and that's it. Game over. Awesome. So awesome. It goes pretty much untouched from the, uh, content wise. So, uh, how do the people get in touch with you if you want them to? That is. Uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, Twitter forward slash Jonathan data one is the easiest way. And, uh, every platform is the same Jonathan data one and, uh, zero hak.com to, you know, sign up for free classes. All my classes are free. Um, you can click the link at the top and sign up for the class and join. We have moderators, um, all around the world. Um, you know, and, uh, in our discord which is TruthSec, that's uh, T-R-U-T-H-S-E-C, TruthSec, Truth Security. And uh, it's a safe space, right? We, we, um, we really, really keep it to clean, no bullying, things like that. I mean, we Do I get really... to drop the F-bomb? Yeah, yeah, all day long. You can drop it all day long, all day long. Uh, How the F are you guys? Hey, Fers. You know, no, except <laughs> But yeah, so Discord, we got Discord, we have, you know, a classroom, we have teachers in the classroom that teach. Uh, so we really have a, a, a good, you know, a community 
you know, programs, lots of community programs. We, um, you know, hacktree.org. We just, we just finished a chess tournament or the, uh, the top prize or, uh, won $2,000 and everyone else, you know, uh, uh, from positions eight and up at least one, $250. Uh, so we're always, always engaging the community, um, giving back, you know, prizes, phones, things like that, that are, you know, people donate right to, to the organization, to the nonprofit. And then we, we give back, everything gives back to the community. So lots of ways to engage. Cool. Cool. Great. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Absolutely. Sir. Well, Appreciate ladies it. and gentlemen, are you still here? Are you still listening to this? Holy crap. It's been a long episode. If you're still here, thanks so much for tuning in. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. Thanks again to Jonathan for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Please, if you found this information useful, helpful, you think someone else will benefit from it, please on YouTube or your favorite audio streaming, please share this with somebody. And until next time, take care.